friends, it's me, Leslie Mathis, with the Multifamily Streamline Podcast. Oh my gosh, I hope I'm getting my mojo back. I'm beyond thrilled to share our very first interview with Melanie Whitlock. I've had the pleasure of working with her the last six and a half years, and now she has come on board as the South Carolina and Asheville Asset Manager for Woodfield, and will be working with me at Streamline Multifamily Group as well. We are going to track her journey from RPM to Asset Manager over the next several months, and I hope you will join us as we discuss the highs and lows. There's no way it can all be rainbows and unicorns. Well, hello, Melanie. Thank you so much for joining today. I have had the pleasure of working with you for, I think, the last six and a half years. Um, But will you tell the listeners, like, just do a little intro and um, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into multifamily? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me, Leslie. I am super excited to work with you at a different capacity as of this past Monday. You could say Tuesday with my starting date, but I started you know, you could say in the industry in college housing right at Charleston Southern University and kind of worked my way through that realm of things. But when I got into true multifamily was back in 2016, I moved back from Rome, Georgia to Charleston and started my career as a leasing professional at Cooper River Farms off of Clements Ferry for any of the listeners that are familiar with this market in Charleston. Um, But I worked my way up at that property to manager and then worked for you in Woodfield um, there at Wharf 7 and then, you know, past that point with Star to Lincoln all the way up to regional and now asset manager, which is kind of crazy to say in that six years. But the cool story about Cooper is I've held every position at that property that you could um, on our side of the industry. So that's my claim to fame as I say it. Like if Cooper's my favorite project I've ever been on and will ever be on. And you, of course, know that's where I met my husband. I know. I love that. Um, I've never asked you this, but do you remember the first day we met? It would have had to have been at Cooper, right? Yes. I just don't really remember it. Like one of my first memories is you sitting, I think there was like a manager transition or maybe you had just been promoted at to manager, but I remember sitting in the manager's office with you and learning that you have like 43 degrees. Um, and I remember walking away like, gosh, she's so motivated and so um, smart too. So, um, but I didn't gosh, know. Like, they were asking. It's not 43 degrees. <laughs> it's just two and a half degrees. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I love that. Well, and our stories are kind of similar, like how we kind of both fell into the industry. And I, of course, met my husband at the first company I worked for, and he's also on the construction side. And um, so I love that part a as blessing well. blessing and a curse. You, you love to have them in your back pocket for sure. Agreed. I think, you know, it makes us a little more round, like well-rounded on the operation side because we've watched and um, seen them both grow and we've learned from them. Um, I don't know if you do this, but I actually use Randall as a huge resource. Um, even seven years later on the development owner side, 
I am still not the best at navigating a set of plans. Like I just can't always find the the right page or um and so I love when Randall is at home and I can say, "Hey, like how do I find this in the set of plans?" um or I ask him a lot of like construction type questions. Absolutely. You know, if any of our managers in Charleston are listening, they always call me and say, Hey, can you get Drew to answer this question? I haven't, you know, in your world yet had to do the plan reviews in that capacity, but especially for an operations point of trying to understand how something was built or why it works this way. He's my definite guide to, to managing those type points. So he loves it and hates it. (laughs) Yeah. Randall probably feels the same way. I think the fun thing too for you and maybe even at least the Woodfield teams in Charleston, because your husband has been part of several of those projects or works for the company that has built, you know, all of the deals for Woodfield in Charleston, you know, they see him as a resource because of your relationship. So I think that's been a really positive um Thing to come out of all of this, at least for the Woodfield project. So um, hats off to Drew for that. So I know that just because I've known you for so long, I know that being an asset manager has always just been your career goal and dream. But how did you get there? Like, how did that become your dream? Well, I don't think I realized it until taking on the regional role that happened last fall of 2020 what year are we in? Jeez, I feel like with COVID, I don't know what year we're in, but 2021, um, you know, when we decided for me to come on as a regional for Woodfield and taking on that capacity, you know, it's a very strong position for operations, but I am so motivated and I guess my niche is the lease ups and that's kind of what I've done for you for so long. And then kind of just chatting with you about, I call it how Brian says it, how the sausage is made going back to understanding why we made the decision decisions five years ago in this design plan and what we were trying to do for the residents and why we picked this location and kind of taking it from the beginning of the project and being a part of that is really what I wanted to do. And that kind of sealed the deal on Tuesday when we did that design meeting with Shelton Taylor and just getting to see everything and every component down to the tile in the kitchen, to the um, light fixtures that we choose, to the history, to the numbers that are going on the mailboxes, just all those things just, and I told you that day, like it gives me a high and working for Woodfield as an asset manager was I mean, when it finally came to fruition that you could finally bring me on board to your team, it just made the most sense. Um, I think it, the goal people think is, oh, you go leasing to assistant, to manager, to regional, and then it naturally feels like you go to asset management, but those positions, you know, don't come up very often. But I think particularly working with you in Woodfield helped me understand like that's the next step for me. And under why I wanted that to be my dream job, basically. Awesome. Yeah. I never knew I wanted to be an asset manager. So, um, like, I feel like that's a, um, 
an interesting, you know, thought of, I don't, I don't know, maybe I didn't work on the third party side for very long. So I wasn't really exposed to that where all of your experience has been on the third party side. So I just knew that I actually went to third party to be able to work with developers and it doesn't really in most scenarios play out that way. Um, I do agree now that working with third party management companies, there is like, I do see this a lot that RPMs want to become an asset manager or, you know, make the change over to the ownership side. What I always think is so interesting is people don't realize, I don't think I did until I came on board with Woodfield as well, but I don't think people realize how long we work on these projects. Like oftentimes in a best case scenario, it's three years from the time that the land goes under contract till we deliver units. Um, sometimes maybe with garden, it can be two years if the stars align, right. but it, it normally is a very long process. And one interesting story that I heard from one of the developers I work with is decisions have to be made. And so sometimes coming from the operation side or going into the lease up, you ask questions of why is the toilet too small or, <laughs> or so short, or why did they not do soft closed hinges on the cabinet doors and only the drawers. But the way he tells the story is there's, if you want the deal done, sometimes there's decisions that have to be made and it's either walk away from the project or have small toilets or regular closing cabinet doors because during the process of development, just there's so many variables and um, you, you don't want to have to walk away from the project. So you become this huge problem solver, but I think that's, that's the fun of it. And, um, you know, of course, design and, and the interiors and the branding is, you know, also the, the super fun fluffy part that I enjoy so much as well. So we're closing out the first week at Woodfield and tell us how it was. Amazing. I mean, you and I literally went from, I started on to, in Greenville, went to Charlotte, went to Asheville, to Greenville. So we saw a lot and a, a lot of different days, but <clears throat> I think the cool part was being with Brian that day. Sorry if those that's making noise, but being with Brian that day and him being so passionate about what we're trying to do in Asheville and the location of river arts and everything that we can offer to residents in that district, I think kind of solidified why we do what we do with those particular partners and how we can make their dreams come true of why they chose that piece of land and what's, you know, happening with city officials and how they're dumping all the money into that particular neighborhood. And I think our position, we a lot of times get bogged down on the property management side. And now even with you and I, like we forget we're doing this for the people in those neighborhoods, like to give them the way of life that they deserve and people moving to Asheville, like staying true to you know, keep Asheville weird, as we said it the other day and, you know, them taking it off the water tower. But how do we come in as a developer 
and as an asset manager and give the keep it weird Asheville people exactly what they want. Um, that was really solidifying to me and kind of watching Brian's face light up when he talks about the project that's underway. Yes, I think, you know, there's a lot of different developers out there in the multifamily space, but it's such a blessing to work with a developer who is so invested in staying true to the neighborhood and designing to the neighborhood. And I had had never really experienced that until I came on board with Woodfield, like I said earlier. And the first time I, I saw it and it became so meaningful to me was one of the development partners in Charlotte. He did Mercury Noda. And when you see that building in a very historic, art-rich neighborhood of Charlotte, when you see the building, even though it was brand new, it looked like it had been there for a long time. And it was so intentional in the way that it was designed and the way local artists were brought in. And it was executed so well that I think that was a game changer for me. And it's so important to be partnered with teams like that. And I think Asheville is, is a hundred percent that story and it's, it makes what we do even more special and leasing is hard today. And, and I think we're going into a time where it's going to be even harder. So when we get to lease up deals that have a story already, you know, built in it, it makes our life easier and it gives like we are able to hand it over to a, the leasing team to, you know, unfold it all for the neighborhood and um, in Asheville specifically in river arts, it, there's never been, there's never been true multifamily and that can come out of the opposition. But when people see what developers like Brian are doing with Woodfield, they they really do become more educated of these renters by choice and being part of the neighborhood. And people don't realize that we give back to the neighborhood and to local charities and because that kind of flies under the radar, but it's really an important piece of our story. And um, I love that we design every project uniquely. The interior design is always going to be unique. Our branding is always going to be unique because every project has its own story and its own experience. And we wouldn't be doing it justice if we just were cookie cutters. Exactly. And I think too, like taking away from, you know, Woodfield now we've got three projects and opportunity zones. So we're, we're learning what the long-term hold kind of looks like and how we stay true to that and evolve with it as well. And, you know, going to Riverside yesterday and talking with that team and how we continue that resident experience. Like it's been something new for us to learn on how to keep that resident base happy and what our strategies are for, you know, the economic performance of the property. And that's, I think another thing I'm going to learn a lot about on the asset management side is like, how are we going to make sure the partners and the investors are truly happy from day one to, you know, year seven. Agreed. And especially for us, we're not typically long-term hold. So it, it will be a growing experience, but, you know, thankfully 
we both come from assets that we have held for a long time or, you know, other clients. So I, I think we understand what to do for sure, but it's also this shift of mindset. Every deal has its own story, but it also has its own, you know, goals and um, end, end goal or execution that we have to get to as well. So we're going to track your experience along the way. And you it's unique that you've really kind of um, fast-tracked your career. Most people don't get to asset manager at year six and a half. So it's pretty impressive. Thank we you. want to track your experience from regional to asset manager. And so we'll do these check-ins along the way, maybe over however long. But so I'm a little jealous of your first week. I don't know that my first week was that amazing. Um, so um, I didn't go, I know I didn't go to a design meeting and I know that um, we didn't go look at construction sites and tour the market the first week for sure. But was it everything you thought it was going to be? Yeah. I mean, of course, behind the scenes, there are some things that you've got to work through and everybody's got a different opinion, but that's, I couldn't have expected anything different. I enjoyed it very much. And I'm sure, you know, all the weeks aren't going to be that great. So of course, like you said, I started on a very, very much of a high. And I think that high will last because we have so many cool things and so many projects underway. And you and I have a lot of things that we want to accomplish together, even outside of Woodfield. So lots to come. Yes. And then you get to go to a holiday party next week. So um, <laughs> I definitely think that you're starting off better than I did. So one thing we also want to track is, is the transition. And um, I definitely believe after living it myself, going from working for the client to becoming the client, working on the operation side as management versus operations as an owner, it, it's, it's very different. And there are some mind shifts that have to happen. And um, there's definitely growing pains of, you know, before you come onto the owner side, like you're a peer, whether you've worked with that person or not, you're a peer and you're, you know, kind of rowing that direction. But then all of a sudden now you're the client and those, because, you know, so many of us have all worked together, like it's a transition period. So what do you think will be the hardest as you continue to onboard to the ownership side and asset management side. Well, you know, you and I had this conversation about a particular instance with a lease at a project. And a lot of times on site or on the property management side, oh, well, it's just one lease. We leased it $100 below what we really wanted to, but we gained the occupancy and trend and blah, blah, blah. But on the back end side, like, really what that evaluation of that lease means from a 12 month term and how that it could change, you know, exactly what a rent roll is going to stand for when we're looking at different clients and saying, Hey, this is what we're trying to achieve. 
every single day, every single lease, every single financial decision basically goes back to some of those hard pain points that we have to explain to clients and investors. And I think, you know, that was a wide-eyed moment for me this week in training and talking through some of those, um, I don't want to call them mistakes, but learning uh, points that we have to stay very in tune with our teams. And just like having those hard conversations, I think is going to be probably the hardest part of transitioning. I don't want to say that it's going to be really hard because I think everybody that we have on our Woodfield assets are, are great people, you know, from Lincoln to Graystar to Rangewater, we, we try to be a part of that hiring process. And I think they understand who and what's going to help with the Woodfield way and making sure those people get to the point of understanding our goals and how we're going to communicate that to our investors. Yeah, I would agree. Like, And it's, you're right. And that's a very good example because, you know, as we flip to the ownership side, whether we're working with Woodfield or other clients, it, we, it is our job, especially coming from operations. And, you know, I spent most of my career as an RPM until going out on my own and then, you know, finally landing with Whitfield. So it, it, it's a little bit of a different mentality. I mean, we're all strong operators, but it's our job to train our teams to think like an owner. And it, it quite frankly is why I have the class of through the eyes of an asset manager, because it's not intentional by any means, but they, they don't always understand the impact of some of the mistakes. And listen, we're all human and we're going to make them. But when we use it as a learning opportunity and teach them that, you know, it, it's it's not just $100 below market. It's not just $100 of lost to lease. But what's the impact over the the long term, like the full term of the lease? And then what is the impact to the rent roll? One lease is one thing, six of them is another. Um, and it's we just can't have mistakes like that because it does impact the deal substantially from a value perspective. So again, it's it's learning opportunities, but when we take the time to do that, then Again, mistakes are going to happen, but it it becomes fewer and farther between. Um, right. So I would agree that would would definitely be a I don't know, like maybe a challenge or um, but maybe just knowing it going into it, you'll just be more cognizant and um, kind of eyes wide open and forward thinking versus I don't know. I, I've never reflected on how many mistakes did I make along the way? Because it, it definitely, I'm, there were growing pains and not that I have it all figured out, but um, at least you recognize that and um, that's meaningful for sure. Absolutely. And that's, you know, one of my goals overseeing the assets in South Carolina is to even like take time all the way, you know, a lot of times we're on the phone with VPs or RPMs, but making sure all the way down to the leasing professionals like they are boots on the ground, the most releasing perspective and ensuring that they understand the goals as well so that they could red flag, you know, 
Like, why is a rate even sometimes too high? Why have we been sitting on a, a vacant unit for four weeks? Like, oh, well, this rate's too low. Like, understanding the basis of that. And, you know, working with property management, that was one thing I felt like we always needed more time to do is training and understanding the conceptual like views of how we set rates and market rents and what those evaluations look like. And I want to continue to do that even on this side and, you know, making sure our owner goals are understood from every person to the groundskeeper. If he wants to understand it, then we can make sure he understands it as well. Yes. I, I didn't even know you were going to say that, but that's like one of the best things. And one of the things I've learned is, and I don't remember how this happened, but basically somebody, it was probably a stranger on an airplane. I don't remember for sure, but really it it was impactful that if you want things communicated, I don't even know if correctly is the right word and I don't remember what they use, but if you want to make sure your communication is heard, then you have to be the one communicating it. And so whenever I learned that lesson is when I started doing the onboarding and training of our playbooks on site. And so I have been lucky enough to have you um, on the management side and Liz Coble, who is able to do that. And, um, but really and truly, if, if you want the message out there, you have to be the one communicating it. And that goes all the way down to our groundskeepers and um, they need the playbook training and um, they need to understand the goals of the asset. And maybe they don't need to know that the we're working towards a rent roll number of whatever it is, but they need to understand why we do things the way we do, especially because we do them different. We, we, we go in on revenue management. We don't offer concessions. We spend more money on marketing or the experience, but there's all reasons and it's all to get us to an end goal. But I believe they have to know it from the ownership side. And the only way that can happen is if you do it yourself. And I think that's so important. And again, that you even recognize that before you even get started, it's, you know, amazing and um, just setting yourself up for success. Agreed. So I'm a sucker for a dream chasing story. Leave us with a few words of encouragement of, you know, professional growth or whatever you got. I want to hear it. (laughs) I mean, you and I talked about this yesterday too. Like I, am chasing after to be a female developer. I don't know how realistic that goal is, but that's, I think anytime you achieve where you want to be, I just started as an asset manager this week, but you put yourself in that place and you're like, I'm going to learn as much as I can learn and see what my next step is and keep working towards it. But anybody you know, on the podcast listening, that's like, well, I want to move up that quickly or I want to, you know, get promoted in the next year. My advice to you is obviously keep your head down and work hard, but I think there's so many hard workers out there that unfortunately don't put themselves in the positions to make the right relationships. And I think you've got to, you know, find someone that believes in you, show them what you're trying to accomplish and why 
always have your why in the back of your mind. And, you know, my success, like, of course, was hard work, but it was a lot of me getting to know you, Leslie, and learning and taking that relationship and my relationship with Woodfield and getting their trust. And maybe that's, you know, somebody sitting right now in the manager role and they're wanting the next step, like continuing to put yourself in front of that person that could give you that opportunity and proving to them and showing them your why. And I'm a very blessed individual in this career path and have moved up quickly. But at the same time, like I have to attribute it to a lot of my teams that I've been associated with through all of the lease ups, you know, from Grace Art and Lincoln, I've had great people that have mentored me. Um, and then at the same time, like having you from day one as an asset manager and kind of seeing that it's a lot, the stars have lined and here I am today by hard work and putting myself with the right people in the right place. Yes. It's always about people and um, working hard. I mean, I know this isn't the right adage anymore, but I always tell people, I, I never said no. When somebody came to me and they asked me to do something, I never said no. Like I figured it out. And yes, there has to be boundaries, but being willing to even do the worst task, just it allowed me to grow my career. And I think now doing this for a long time too, like I do believe hard work pays off and um, surrounding yourself with the right people and um, you're only as successful as your team. And so again, it's, I think you're one of the best motivators and team creators I've ever met. And um, I think that's what people can really learn from you as well. Like you're a great operator and you're really strong financially. And, but man, you can build a team and um, I mean, you could get them to sell ice in Alaska. I mean, that's, but that's what it's about. Like, you know, and that's why we focus or I focus on the regional down. Like if the regional and I are aligned, then they're going to present a manager to me that is also aligned. And then the two of you will, or the two of them will build the rest of the team. And um, I really learned that from you and it, it's been beautiful watching it and watching you grow. And the other thing I would tell people too is comparison is what's the there's like a quote about comparison, but like, don't compare your experience to somebody else's like that can derail you. Like, so if somebody's listening and they've seen you fast track six and a half years, like that's, that's not everybody's growth. And we don't have to all have the same goals, but putting your goals on paper and working towards them and letting the right people know that you have those goals and you're backing it up with like your work ethic and, your willingness to even help others and get in there and do the dirty jobs. I mean, I think that's what gets you to wherever you want to be. And your growth and your dreams and your goals can look very different than other people's. And I think that's where we mess up in our industries too, is like we've just conditioned everybody from leasing to assistant manager to manager. But there's so many great leasers out there that aren't meant to be an assistant manager. Like those roles are very different. And so I hope you and I can shake up the industry and I don't know, figure out how to continue to support that. And there's companies doing it well now. And I think we recognize it, especially with like the labor shortage, but um, just teaching people that 
their story can look very different and their goals can look different, but keep running after them and don't give up. There's going to be, I'm sure your story is not perfect. And I'm sure there was like a bump in the road somewhere, but it, it doesn't mean give up. Like you keep going for it. Absolutely. And you've got to know yourself enough to know when you need to make a change as well. You know, I've worked for two different companies in the industry and one set me up and one set me up again. And I, I knew at a certain time that it was time for a different change and a different learning opportunity, just like I've come into this role, but you've got to evolve with this industry. It changes. I feel like every three weeks, just, you know, with resident based demands and, you know, maybe you're a great assistant manager, but you're even a better leaser and knowing which time, like just because it's the next step, is it the right move? And, you know, we've got somebody on one of our Daniel Allen properties and like, he knows exactly where his niche is and he's fine with that. And his path is going to look different than mine. And just like you said, yours is going to look different than someone in California and just being okay with that and learning what your avenues are, where your strengths lie and following that path. And like I said, connecting yourself with the right people. Um, A lot of people think, you have to go towards the RPM route. And that's that job's not for everyone. That's the toughest job I've ever had. And in the RPM listening to this, you can relate. It is an unappreciated, underpaid um, angel of a job just because you are carrying so many different loads for so many different people. Um, so if that's the path you think you want to go, it's I definitely recommend shadowing an RPM taking a look into their inbox and seeing if you can maintain um, and not that, you know, hard work is what you don't want to do, but I think carrying that load of pressure with the people, you've got to make sure that that's the right path. And if not, then what if you're a trainer or what if you're, you know, you could skip that their RPM and go to an asset management like consultant position or be an assistant for someone like Leslie, or, you know, there's just different ways this industry can carry because it continues to grow and there's never going to be a shortage. I feel of people in property management or on our sides of things. Agreed. And I've said it forever um, about the RPM position. It is so hard and unappreciated and people just, don't even realize. And thank goodness so many people want to be an RPM because we need them. But (laughs) gosh, I wish we could, I I don't know, help that position or um, I I don't know, some things have to change. And it's so unfortunate that we have these just talented RPMs and they can't even do their job because they're an HR director and an accountant and like, they're having to do all the things that aren't even their best skill set. And then they can't even get to what they're good at. It's, it's such a shame. Um, Hopefully we can change it somehow, some way, but God bless you RPMs because I mean, (laughs) yes, you are, you're doing it, but it's hard and just know it doesn't go unrecognized for sure. Melanie Whitlock, I, you are just one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And I'm so glad we get to work together in a new capacity. And 
I'm excited about other dreams and aspirations we have together. And one day we'll share them with the world. But um, I'm excited to also like go through this podcast journey with you from leasing consultant to asset manager and um, just tracking that experience to share with the world. So thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you. Anybody have any questions? Would love to chat with someone. Um, Leslie can, you know, put you in contact with me. And I appreciate you having me on your amazing podcast. And there will be more to come. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And Melanie will be back in a few weeks to provide an update. Until then, I will see you back here next Tuesday.